Bible, let's open up, first of all, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And today I'd like to share with you a study uh, entitled A Smart Start to the Year. I know it sounds kind of corny, but... Um, and I don't really like topical studies, uh, so I struggle with it, but I, I do know that there is a place for topical studies, you know. And it's New Year's, and so, you know, we probably figured that we would talk a little bit about setting goals. And even though a lot of people don't like that combination of words, yes, those uh, words, New Year's resolutions. Uh, and I know you guys don't like raising your hands for whatever reason. I wonder, like, did they put deodorant on? What's the problem here, you know? But let me ask you a question. How many of you here uh, plan on setting New Year's resolutions, just out of curiosity? Okay, some of you do, okay? That's probably about maybe 10%. Uh, they say that 45% of all Americans are going to set resolutions, and out of that 45%, 8% will be made successfully. Um, I was reading through a lot of data on those things, and uh, all I can say is at the end of the day, the percentages are not high. As a matter of fact, they say 75% of the resolutions last one week or less, okay? So, you know, the odds are against us. But before you say, okay, then I'm not going to do it, um, let me just share a couple of things with you. Um, number one, you know, consider what a resolution is. All it really is is the articulation of something you're aiming for. It's like writing down a goal you set for your life. And then for us as Christians, there are goals that God would give you. You know, here's another statistic that's kind of interesting. Before you make your final decision, did you know that people who write down their goals are 10 times more likely to live their lives in a way that they would consider to be successful than those who don't? And so there is something about writing down your God-given goals. It's not just about being healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. It really is more about finishing the race that we've been given to run and becoming, truly becoming the men and women that God wants us to be. You know, Paul the Apostle, no doubt about it, man. He is an example of that. Here's a man who reached his goal and at the end of his life. Look what he wrote here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. How did he do it? How did he finish the race? I, well, I believe a large part of it is the way he began his race and the way he would run his race. You read about it in the book of Acts, chapter 9 and verse 6, when he first got saved, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and so he, the Bible says, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. That right there is the key for us as Christians, getting with God, seriously, fellowshipping with him, getting on our knees and asking him, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, once he tells you, I would encourage you, don't forget it. Put it in writing if necessary. I mean, you know, going beyond the dream, beyond the desire, beyond the wish, beyond the want, you know, going beyond what we would describe as intangible intentions, and you make it God-given goals that are written, that are put in writing because they're real. 
You know, for most of the world today, it's uh, financial goals, nothing wrong with that, using wealth wisely. Uh, it's okay. Some of you, maybe you need to save more than you spend prayerfully. We put ourselves in a position where we're able to give more than we have. So nothing wrong. And I think as good stewards of God, you should have financial goals. Um, a lot of the world also has uh, physical goals, not just money, but now for the body. Nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, you guys should, okay? You should. Man, diet, exercise, getting fit, living healthy lives. Again, nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, John the Beloved, he wrote in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so he would pray. You know, I pray you guys are physically fit. There is profit, even though it's smaller, there is profit, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. A lot of uh, cool resolutions, ambitions, financial, physical. Other goals I saw on the different lists I look at are to get organized. How many of you here need to get organized out of curiosity? You know, uh, maybe you're here and you smoke. Hey, you don't need it. A lot of people say, well, it's okay to smoke cigarettes. Uh, you know, it, it won't keep me out of heaven. Yeah, but it might get you there sooner than you want. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to smoke. Maybe this will be the year that you drop that bad habit or you learn something you've always wanted to learn, something new and exciting or even something closer to home. I was made a lot of the list was I want to spend more time with my family, you know, husband, wife, and kids. You know, another interesting goal that made the list, the top 10 for 2017, was to fall in love. And uh, I guess that's for you Christian singles. And again, I hear what they're saying. I appreciate the romantic. But uh, for us as Christians, here's the thing we got to know. We don't fall in love. We grow in love. And that's what we need, right? We need to grow in love. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you have a New Living Translation, there's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says, let love be your highest goal. Isn't that cool, man? I mean, imagine that. We're going to see that later, too, as the fruit of the Spirit. You know, to love God, that's what I want more in 2017. And to love others, that follows right after, right? But we, we got to have goals. I mean, for those of you who play soccer, you play hockey, football, you know that if you don't know where the goal is, you won't do well. And the same is true in life. If you don't have any goals then you won't do well. And so our prayer is that God would give us goals. Our prayer was just simply, Lord, show us what you want us to do. You know, New Year's days are good times to set goals because in one sense, we have this view that's special where we're able to look back and, and then to look forward, right? You know, I'm going forward. I want to learn from the past. I don't know about you, but maybe looking back at 2016, you saw where you messed up. Maybe you messed up a lot, right? I see a lot of room for improvement when I look back on my own life, to be honest with you. And so along these lines, it's interesting. Some people believe that the name of our first month of the year, January, it comes from the Roman mythological god named Janus. And so Janus was considered to be the god of beginnings, god of transitions and doorways, He's usually depicted as having two faces since he looks to the past and he also looks to the future. 
And even though we know this so-called God is not real, I believe the symbolism is really important. You see, as God's children, we are to be wise. And here's the thing, man. You, you messed up a lot in the past. Here's my question. Will you learn from it? We got to learn from those failures as well as our successes in order to build a better future. You know, this study is different, but it's very practical. My prayer, our prayer, is that you would go to heaven and that you would live this life on planet Earth that God wants you to live. You know, history tells us that those who don't learn from their past mistakes are doomed to repeat them. And so you got to learn. You know, will we build on what we've learned? Will we grow and grow up and mature? Some people never do. Time will tell. You know, so I encourage you, take time to pray. Ask God you know, what he wants. Write those things down. Put it in front of your journal. Hang it up somewhere where you'll see it. Put it on your refrigerator, you know, and you'll read it regularly. You don't have to call it a resolution if you don't want to or even a goal, you know. Maybe you want a different word. You're like, hey, Manny, give me a more biblical word because I read the New King James, right? Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Here's a, a goal that Paul the Apostle set that's good for all of us. He said in verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. See, Paul the Apostle, he had an aim. It was a goal. This was the bullseye that he had in his heart, to please the Lord. And I tell you what, that's a great goal. It's an awesome aim. And here's the thing. I believe he hit it. He hit it. You know, I believe Paul the Apostle was a man who pleased the Lord. It is doable by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, by the God who lives inside of you, we can actually please the Lord. Another aim he had is pretty cool. It's articulated back in Romans chapter 15. If you would, let's turn back there. Romans chapter 15, it says in verse 20, and so I have made it my aim, same word, to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. The first aim is more general for all Christians, right? I want to please the Lord, and I pray that would be your heart. I just want to do his will. I want to please God, that's for all of us, right? But the second one is more specific because he was a preacher. He was a preacher. So one of his God-given goals was to preach the gospel where Christ had yet not been named. And so here's the thing that ends up happening is you find out what gifts you have, what talents you have, where you belong in the body of Christ. I mean, you know, and, and you just say, Lord, that's my aim. I want to, and then God will show you the divine details. Maybe you want to go on a missions trip because you have, you have that gift of, of being a missionary. The Bible calls it an apostle, right? I mean, preachers, teachers, helpers, musicians, all the different people and parts of the body should have these types of aims. God, what is it that you want from me? 
you know, we're kind of doing this as a church, setting goals for the new year, and I'm doing my best uh, personally to find out what God wants from me in the new year, in the new beginning. And I, I just want to encourage you guys to, to do the same. And as you do, I'd like to share with you today an acronym that you might consider when you're writing those things down. You know, just to get us thinking. Uh, again, I know there's more to it, but here's what I call a smart start to the new year. Five things to consider in setting goals and resolutions. Uh, number one, the letter S, in the word SMART, it's an acronym. It stands for spiritual. The S, says you're setting goals, stands for spiritual. You want to make sure you set spiritual goals, right? And so here you are, New Year's Day, and you're thinking, man, I want to get in shape. I want to get in shape. Let me ask you a question. Why? <laughs> why? So you can look good for the girls? Is that why? Yeah, I bench press to impress, Manny. Okay, that's fine. But um, as Christians, our goals, all of our goals got to be spiritual. We must be spiritually moved and motivated. And you know what? Getting shaped physically is okay. I'll be honest with you. I want to take care of this body that God's given to me. But the motivation is that I might have more energy to serve the Lord. I'll be honest with you. When I exercise, I, I go to, you know, whatever. I go shopping with my wife, and I don't feel like falling asleep, you know? I've, I feel a little bit more energetic or, you know, serving the Lord, studying, Right? I know this sounds weird to you, but I just want to share with you guys my heart. I exercise uh, and I eat fish because my brain needs help. It really does, man. And you know, they say it's good for your brain. And so, you know, I want to think clearly. And so even those physical goals are, are to be spiritually motivated. You know, overall, I, I long to be closer to the Lord than I've ever been. I think that should be all of our hearts. So we need to ask him, well, Lord, then how can I seek you more than I ever have? What needs to be different? Will it be that, that Saturday morning men's prayer? How about signing up for the women's study this time around when it comes up in March? I mean, you ask God, what it, Sunday nights, I don't know. God, you show me how I need to do something different, right? I mean, what will be the steps that God wants us to take? Uh, we talked about fasting and, you know, pray about it. Before you say, oh, I can't do it, man, God will give you the grace. And you, first Saturday, one meal, second Saturday, two meal, third Saturdays, you just seek God all day long. Maybe that's what you need for your marriage. Maybe that's what you need to overcome that addiction or just take it to the next level. See, God will show us the divine details you know, and we just ask the Lord for wisdom. I think at the end of the day, I know, I think of uh, just putting him first. Matthew 6, the NLT says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Let your goals be spiritual goals. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. Myself, growing up, going to high school, I had no direction. No direction I don't even remember anyone ever asking me about what I would do with my life or my future. I just didn't have that, those types of people around me. And then I, I went to college, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to party. I had nothing, no direction. And I should have had enough sense within me, but for some reason, I didn't. No direction whatsoever. Then when I finally got saved, 
at the age of 23. I didn't know what God wanted for me. But I knew this, that I had to put him first. And I tell you what, once that happened, and I continued to go you know, to college and university, I finally started getting school straight, but then all of a sudden God started opening doors and God started redirecting everything. And God has done such a gracious work in my life. You might not know what it is, but I tell you what, you seek him first and you make spiritual goals. And he'll bless you. See, we got to do spiritual when we're setting goals. And then when you're setting goals, I do, another thing I encourage you, and I just you know, learned this and looking all these things through, is that they have to be measurable. The S stands for spiritual. The M stands for measurable. And for that, let's turn to Luke chapter 13. May our priority be goals that are spiritual, but they also need to be goals that are measurable. You know, if you're not specific, if you're vague, then you won't know whether or not you've attained those goals and you won't receive that, you know, energy. You need to take it to the next level. Like one common resolution says, I'm going to eat healthier, okay? And that's okay, but the smarter resolution says something like, I'm going to have at least two pieces of fruit a day and a salad before every dinner. You know, something a little bit more specific, a little bit more measurable, right? Uh, another common resolution is I'm going to save money. Um, but a smarter resolution says I will create and maintain a budget, right? Because that's how you're going to be able to save money. The first is good, but the second is better. Why? Because it's more specific and measurable. You know, fasting a few times a month, that's something you can measure, right? Reading the, the entire Bible in a year, okay? And, and, you know, here's the thing about reading the Bible in a year. It doesn't mean that you're a better Christian, because I'll tell you what, you can read the whole Bible in a year and you can go out and live a life of sin. I, I've, you know, messed up or read, you know, three hours in the morning and then I went out and mistreated my wife. It doesn't work that way. But when you read your Bible through every year of your life, you know, every year as you're reading it, you're getting the full counsel of God. From Genesis to Revelation, you're getting everything and as you do that every single year of your life as a Christian, man, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, man, you will have learned the word of God, taught to you by the Holy Spirit where it was just you and him on your knees. Nothing better than that. We're not saying that, you know, that, you know, is a goal because I tell you what, you know, some people will look at it and they, they get prideful about it you know, but I just know that it, it's helpful. But if, you know, you're like Bible bingo, well, today I'll read that and, and then, you know, tomorrow I'll read that. Then you never read Joel and you never read, you know, the book of Amos and you never read Zechariah or, you know, one of those books, you know, Second Chronicles and all those beautiful golden nuggets that are taught in there. It's all profitable. That's why we need the full counsel. And so, you know, you're one of that, and that might be your goal, you know, to read the Bible in a year, or maybe to read it in two years. You know, attending church service, some people need that. Okay, you know what? New year now, I'm being church every week. That's measurable, right? You know, maybe, and this is spiritual as well, but um, date nights with your wife. I mean, you know, you say, okay, let's do it once a month. Uh, blocks of time with your boy. 
Uh, even something as simple as reading books, reading Christian books. Some people, they don't. All they read is a sports page. You know, read, you know, just say, hey, these are the books. I, myself, I'm looking through the whole year. These are the books I'm going to read this year. Whatever, six books, 12 books. So you get a, a kind of a well-rounded, you know, way of learning the scriptures, right? I mean, God will show you what the details are. He's faithful in that. I remember a while back, my pastor, he always used to ask me that question. What's the Lord been showing you? And, you know, we have to be able to say that in a personal way, right? We have to make sure they're not just spiritual but measurable, and Jesus will tell us what they are. Why? Because John 10, 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so we'll hear his voice, and it's a simple prayer. Lord, show us what you want me to do. Here in Luke 13, is interesting. I almost just taught on this. Look at verse 6. Jesus is speaking this parable, and he said, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? And so the focus, of course, is not fig trees. Uh, Jesus here uses this as an illustration for Israel and the people of God, the people who claim to be the people of God. And so the Lord looks at the fig tree and he says, well, I don't see any fruits here. How long has this tree been here? Three years, no fruit. It's, it's measurable. You know, you go, God looks at our life and you're like, well, I went to church. It doesn't matter if you go to church. That's like a football team saying we huddle. It doesn't matter if you huddle. It doesn't matter if you're part of the team. What's going on when, when, when the, the clock's going and you're, and you're trying to gain yardage, right, for the glory of God? You know, well, the fruit is like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. The Lord looks at the, fruit, the tree and he says, man, it doesn't have any fruit. There's no fruit here. These are the people of God. They claim to be the people of God. And so he says, you know, let's cut it down. Let's cut it down. You know, and there are some people who, unfortunately, they're not really living for the Lord. And, and God is kind of bringing them to this point right here. He says, and I don't know about cutting it down. I'm not saying it's going to kill you or you're going to lose your salvation. But maybe the judgment or discipline of God is on its way. Because you don't want to get Right? But look what happens here. It says in verse 8, but he answered and he said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. <laughs> but if not after that, you can cut it down. It's like he's saying, one more year. You know, this, Lord, would you give it one more year? You know, and, and maybe for some of us here, you know, we've been complacent in our walk with the Lord and just kind of, in all reality, you're not taking it as seriously as you should. And, you know, you're like this fig tree right here. You know, you're planted, but in one sense, so much of your life is being wasted because there's not a fire for God. And so the Lord says, you know, I love you, and in order to get your attention, I'm going to have to rock your world in a way that it should never been. Unless, maybe this year, as I dig around and I space some attention and I fertilize it, maybe now you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
the fruit of morals, the fruit of ministry, a life that's lived appropriately, right? You know, give them another year, give her another year. You know, and for us, there's ways of being, it's measurable, you know, you can, you can ask your wife, you know, we have a leadership class that we teach and uh, in it, it has a, actually a survey of a series of questions regarding the integrity and character of that individual. And what we do is we ask the spouse to fill one out for their spouse, you know? And so the husband, he gets evaluated by his wife and the wife gets evaluated by the husband and, you know, people who know you well. And so, you know, hopefully you can measure things like that. I know this sounds weird. I know this sounds weird, but, um, you know, you can rate your marriage. How's your marriage on a scale of one to 10? What would you say? If you were honest, and some people are as a negative five right now. So you got to get it, you know, into the positive, right? And then, but I'm just saying, you know, okay, so here we are, 2017. Lord, I am going to be the husband you want me to be. And then 2018, you kind of like, in an honest assessment, you rate your marriage and like, man, you know what? We bumped it up two points, man. High five, sweetheart. I mean, you know, stuff like that. You can actually measure your life. Is there fruit? You know, when you're setting those goals, the S stands for spiritual, the M, measurable, the A is, is attainable, attainable. And for that, let's go over to Philippians 4. I know a lot of you probably know this passage by heart, but really it goes hand in hand with being led by the Lord. You know, you make sure you let God give you your goals, man. Don't muster them up yourself, right? Because Here's the thing, if it's not a God-given goal, then it's, you know, you're going to set it too high or you're going to set it too low. That's just the way it works, right? You know, maybe you're here and you're like, hey, my goal is to pray two hours every day from now on. And, uh, but last year you didn't average five minutes a day, right? And so you might want to be a little bit more realistic in that goal and just bump it up maybe, you know, to half an hour or something, right? I mean, it's between you and the Lord, right? Because if you set it too high, you're going to get frustrated and quit when you don't hit those two hours a day. Why? Because you were out of the will of God. And at the same time, though, you don't want to set it too low. Well, I'm still alive. It's been five minutes a day. I'll just keep it there, right? You know, um, no. Look what it says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, some people, when they don't realize that verse and they set the goals too low, they, they say it this way, I can do small things through Christ who strengthens me. That's true. Because your goal is now too low. You haven't heard the voice of God. Who will tell you exactly where it belongs? Let me tell you something. If you are all in, if you surrender, if you're like, Lord, not my will, yours be done. I will pray. I will seek you. I will love you the way that I should. God will do great things in and through your life, right? I love the passage in the book of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. You know, you just got to know him, man. You got to let him strengthen you and watch what God does with your life. And the key really is communicating with your creator. Don't make it too big and out of the will of God where you frustrate yourself. 
but don't make it too small where by lack of faith you frustrate God. You know, one of the greatest stories in the Bible is uh, that guy Caleb. And, you know, he prayed that God would give him this mountain, you know. And it's interesting when you study his life and how he was one of the faithful spies, it didn't matter if there were giants there. He didn't look at the giants. He didn't focus on the obstacles. He focused on God. He said, let's go in right now and let's take care of business. But the rest of them, they were unbelieving, right? So they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But God had given Caleb a promise all that time, and he didn't forget. So when they went into the land, it's so cool we read in Joshua 14, verse 12, what he said, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that's the giants, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. He never, he never let that dream of God die. And so now here he is, like Jesse was talking earlier, He's an older guy, you know, and I don't want to say what's old now because I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm starting to learn that 50 is young, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> but Caleb was over 80 years old, and he asked for the mountain. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are, right? David, what, 16, 17, Mary, maybe 14. It doesn't matter because God, he's outside of time, right? And so as we're looking at these things, asking God to give us wisdom and setting goals, S-M-A-R-T, the S stands for spiritual, M is measurable, A is attainable, and then the R is relational. And for that, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Because this is very important in life. You know, a big house might be nice. A dependable car is cool. You know, there's lots of things that come to mind in life. But we need to remember that more important than possessions, more important than ambitions, are relations, right? And I already alluded to your marriage. If you're married, um, how are things going? In your immediate family, friendships, right? Maybe this will be the year where we restore relationships that need to be restored or we improve relationships that have suffered. The passage here in Romans 12, in verse 18, it says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, you do your best to, to be blameless, in relationships. You pray God would make a way, perhaps, if there's been a severance for reconciliation, right? And it's very important. You can write some names down and you can pray, Lord, this is a person that I've always butt heads with, or Lord, you know, my husband or my wife or my kids or, you know, whatever it is, and you write names down. I I'm not sure, Lord, but I live to you this relationship. 
And as you're setting goals, you know, God shows you the divine details. It doesn't mean that it's always going to work out. Right here in verse 18, it says it's not always possible. He says, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, then you can live peaceably with all men. It's not always possible, but as much as depends on you, you do the best that you can in that relationship, right? But doesn't mean it's always going to work out. You know, I don't want to confuse you guys or anything, but the truth is sometimes certain relationships have to come to an end. That person over there might be a bad influence. That person over here, they might be destructive. This one over here, they're not open, and God will show you because relationships are huge, right? You know, for us, of course, it goes back to the primary relationship, and that is our relationship with God. How are you doing there? You know, I pray you would know uh, his love. And I pray, uh, Pastor Chuck used to always say that when the vertical relationship is right, you know, with me and God, then the horizontal relationships, they begin to fall into place, right? But that's where it starts. You know, where his church, where his sheep, where his friends, where his bride, where his children. And we have this type of relationship with our God as Christians. You know, if you're here today and maybe you don't have that relationship with God, I pray that you would choose him today. Man, I'll tell you what, that would be a great way to start off the new year. You know, maybe someone invited you. Somehow you stumbled upon this place. You know, it's funny how people find this church sometimes. Sometimes they're in and out. And they're, you know, getting ready to grub, and they see a little sign over here that says, Calvary, I didn't know there's a church over there, and they end up coming here. Or, you know, when the lolly cup was open, and when they're bowling, or whatever the case may be, they find a card on the, on, the, on the parking lot, man, and God draws them here. All I know is this, that if you're here, if you're here, you got to hear that God loves you. That, that the most important thing of all is your relationship with God. You know, one year, the years are going to be over. You're going to die. You stand before God. What then? Will you go to heaven or hell? It's up to you. Jesus died for you on the cross. All your sins were laid on him. Put him in a grave. He rose again three days later. He paid the price for our sins, and all you have to do is repent of your sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You can make a choice or a decision today to follow him. That's the most important relationship of all. I know a lot of times in church you get people that stumble in and they're prodigal sons. You know, they've drifted away from God. You know, if that's you today, you know, remember that story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son when he went out there, he did his own thing, he spit in his father's face, he said, give me my money. He went and spent it all on wasteful living. But finally one day when he he you know, sunk to the bottom, was eating with the pigs. The Bible says he came to his senses and he said, I'll rise and go to my father's house. And so when he arose and he went back to his father, the Bible says in Luke 15, 20, that he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him him i tell you what if you drifted away from god it doesn't matter what you've done you come back to him and he will run to you 
He will embrace you. He will will kiss you. He will forgive you. He will restore you instantly when you make that decision to come back to the Lord. You know, we're not perfect here. None of us are. This isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And you come as you are. Don't wait until you get your life straightened out because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You know, you come to the Lord and he saves you. I mean, these relationships, that's goals that are so important. And so in closing, you got the S for spiritual, the M for measurable, the A, attainable, the R, relational. And the last one is found in Romans 12 as well, as well and that is transformational. And that's a word. It's an important word. Look what it says in verse 1 of Romans 12. I, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so what he's saying is that give God your life. Give God your your bodies. Give God your heart. I mean, he went through everything he went through. He was nailed to a cross for you. And so you present to him uh, your bodies as as a living sacrifice to him. It makes sense, right? And then as you do, he says in verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You say no to the world and the way that they want to mold you into their image, and you say yes to God. He says right here, and be transformed. I was going to show you guys a picture of the Transformers. I haven't seen any of the movies, but, you know, they have a truck, and then he turns into whatever, some type of warrior or something, right? And Transformers changed. Did you guys know that God is in the business of changing lives? You know, there's a, a passage in the book of Malachi. I think a lot of Christians, unfortunately, hold to. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Well, why doesn't God ever change? Because he doesn't have to right? He's perfect. Why is it that a lot of times we say, I'll never change. I'll never change. Hey, that's just the way I am. Too bad, so sad. I shoot from the hip. I tell like it is. I like to drink. You know, she's the one who needs to change, not me. Really? Oh yeah, the church, that guy, this, no, how about you? I mean, I think in one sense, don't you think we all need to change a little bit? that there's some type of transformation that needs to take place. You know, Romans 12 and verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior, this is the NLT and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wouldn't it be cool if God transformed us into a new person this new year? I don't know about you, man, but I read that and I think, Lord, that's what I want. That I was just thinking, and I don't know why this has come to me, but that 2017 would be like a banner year. And I, I always heard that saying, banner year, and I never really knew what it meant. And then one day, just kind of a light went on. 
A banner is what they hang when they win the championships, huh? They, they hang those banners. What if this year was something like that? What if the Lord comes this year? I don't know. I just pray that this year would stand out. I was thinking about my own life. I was born in 1966, graduated in 1984, got saved in 89, Married in 92, the church started in 2002. There's just something about, there's certain years that stand out that are special. What if one day I look back and because I, I kind of like, I really prayed and I asked God, Lord, what do you want me to do? that I would look back one year and I'd say 2017. That was a year that God changed my life. I pray, you guys, that we would have that heart because I believe that God wants to do so much more than has already been done. And so we need to have that that passion, and that hunger, that fire, that desire. And as we get out of the blocks, that he would give us grace. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but that's my last name, corny. <laughs> that we would have a smart start.